We've got Matt Clark, the co-founder of Amazing.com and ASM, the training course that's trained thousands and thousands of Amazon sellers. We're going to hear about his amazing story, as well as what he views as the future of selling on Amazon. How's it going, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Serious Sellers Podcast. And it's my privilege today to have as a guest, Matt Clark from amazing.com. A lot of you guys know, I'm going to jump right into this. There's a lot of these superhero movies and in this genre, like a lot of times they go back and they show the superhero when they were young or how they started. Now, do you know what they call that genre of movie? I don't think I know what the genre would be called now. Okay. Have you ever heard the term origin story? Ah, yes. Yes. Okay. So just a funny story. When... Manny, who, you know, I know is one of your good friends, you know, told me that he wanted you on the podcast. He said, Hey, make sure to ask Matt about his origin story. Now, honestly, that really intrigued me. Like he said, you have a really cool origin story or your superhero origin story. Now I did not follow up at all with him. So this is going to be completely new for me. So Matt, tell us about your origin story. Yeah, it's funny. I don't I have no idea where he would uh, expect me to start, but, um, yeah, I mean, you can start back um, probably when I was, you know, quite a bit younger, you know, moved around schools quite a bit. And then, um, yeah, for whatever reason, was kind of a self-destructive, I guess. And then gotten with some bad kids and, you know, getting in trouble a ton and then kind of knew that I wanted to do something um, important or meaningful with my life. Uh, but just, you know, was hanging out with people getting in trouble. I was getting in trouble. And this was when I was fairly young, like 13, 14 years old. And, um, eventually one summer just kind of was like, I need to get away from these people and just kind of disappeared. Uh, I was living in Houston at the time and then went to Austin to where my dad was kind of did some work for him over the summer in a business that he was running. And that kind of gave me a little bit of like separation to start, you know, changing what I was doing and, um, still was kind of figuring out my way, still partying a ton and stuff like that, like later through high school. But then finally, like once I got into college, once again, I think just getting some, some separation, um, you know, started reading stuff about self-development, uh, had never really read any of that kind of stuff, but then I ended up finding some book who knows how and, uh, success principles by, uh, Jack Canfield and then read that. And I couldn't read more than five pages without having some epiphany about my life. I was like, Oh, so this is how you actually do this stuff. It's not just like hoping something magic happens, hoping that you become more successful or achieve some goal. Like there's actually a, a process to do it. And so at that point really started putting things together, started doing very well in college, you know, straight A's was doing an internship, started building a network of mentors, joined the entrepreneurship program. And then who eventually wanted to, I wanted to run my own business. And, um, yeah, so, so kind of started putting that stuff together. And then, uh, at the time it was, you know, 2008. And, uh, I was like, you know, it was 2007, I think and it was right before the financial crash. And I was like, you know, it sounds like a great idea. Uh, starting a hedge fund. I was like, some of those people are making like a <laughs> billion dollars a year in income, which is insane. Even if you're, you know, the owner of one of the biggest companies in the world, like that kind of income is just unheard of except for in, in that world really. And, um, so that was the idea at the time I liked finance. I was fairly good at it. And then, so I went to work for an investment bank and the plan was to work there, you know, three to five years and then start some sort of related business. But after a couple months, I was like, ah, screw this. I was like, this sucks. I was like, I don't want to, I don't want to work here for the rest of my life. Like I'm miserable. Uh, I'm not motivated and this is not what I want to be doing. I was trying to do anything in that office other than actually do real work. I just was not liking it. 
And so uh, about seven months into that investment banking job, I, I quit and then I moved to Austin and I was trying to figure out what business I wanted to start. And so came back to Austin from Houston. You moved to Austin before it was cool to move to Austin. Like it is now, like everybody's doing, huh? Yeah, it was right at that time period. So like 10 years ago and it was, you know, still a ton of people moving there, but it's accelerated even more in the past few years. So, yeah. But yeah, so uh, I came to Austin and then uh, my dad had uh, some medical clinics and at the time. And so I was like, well, you know, kind of like marketing stuff. And so I'll help him with some marketing stuff while I figure out what I want to do. And then come to find out there are some uh, kind of high end health supplements that are uh, more mainstream now. You know, this is, you know, I guess 10 years ago or so. Um, now they're more mainstream, like brands like Thorn Research and Zymogen and stuff like that, that a lot of the kind of health gurus talk about now because these are super high-end, super high-quality supplements. Well, back then, they were only sold through doctor's offices. So if you're a patient at one of these clinics and you like the supplement because the doctor says you need this for whatever health issue, uh, for you to go buy it, you have to go back up to their freaking clinic and then buy the product probably at a pretty insane markup. And uh, it was just a huge hassle. And so I was one of the earlier people who started selling those online. And then um, I had no idea what dropshipping was, but that's what I ended up doing. I started off just selling a couple products that I was like keeping in stock. But then I, then I found out that some of those people would actually dropship, uh, which most people in this I'm sure are probably familiar with. But basically, I could have a customer place an order on my store. I send that order through an email, for example, over to the supplier they ship it to the customer. And then so I can basically have, you know, as many products as I want without having any inventory whatsoever. And so, um, yeah, it's kind of how I got started with the e-commerce and then basically built that store up and then, uh, scaled it up to, you know, 11,000 products, couple million dollars in revenue. And that was, um, all before started sort of started discovering the Amazon piece. Wow. 11,000 products. That's crazy. So how did you then get, you know, pivot to Amazon from there? Yeah. So when I first started, like my first, um, I guess expertise, if you will, in like marketing for e-commerce stuff was Google AdWords, like search, search campaigns, because I was, you know, selling these products and I was like, well, you know, I guess at the time Google AdWords was the best way to grow kind of an e-commerce business that I knew of. And so I went to all the little conferences, read all the books and did all that. And, um, so was growing my business with Google AdWords. It was complete disaster at like, you know, 11,000 products. Cause I not, don't have, don't have a technology background. I had no freaking clue how to track that stuff. And so it was producing a lot of sales, but tracking results was a nightmare, but that's a whole nother story. But then at the time I started learning a lot about SEO also. And then, so that was kind of back in the wild west of SEO where you could run software and rank for stuff and buy, you know, exact match domain names and rank for stuff. And so I was ranking for all these different products. And so SEO became more of a source of sales than AdWords, which is what I built the business on. But with SEO, uh, I started realizing, you know, a couple of years into running that business that Amazon was just popping up everywhere. Um, and, you know, this would have been, I don't know, uh, eight years ago, something like that. Uh, and so Amazon just kept popping up in all the search results, even ones where at the time, like exact match keyword domain names, uh, worked really well, was ranking number one, very comfortably. And then all of a sudden Amazon result would be popping up number three, number two, overtaking number one. And it just kept happening again and again. And I was like, well, crap. I was like, if I'm making most of my sales with these rankings, but Amazon keeps beating me, then I need to figure out how this Amazon thing works. And at the time I had no idea you could sell on Amazon, uh, or anything like that. I was kind of learning all the stuff more or less on my own. And so, uh, ended up kind of poking around Amazon. I found out you could sell products on Amazon 
and uh, so uh, <laughs> listed a few products and I was like, okay, cool. This is awesome. I was like, I, um, unlike with AdWords, I'm having a pay per click uh, with Amazon. I could throw a product up there and if it sells, I make money. If it doesn't sell, then it doesn't really cost me anything. If it's a drop shipping product, especially because it's literally just a listing on there. There's no inventory or anything. And uh, this was before, you know, Amazon um, gave so much preference to people using FBA. And so I had the bright idea I thought at the time was like, okay, if I can put a product on there and it doesn't cost me anything to have it there, but I can make money if it sells and it doesn't really matter if it doesn't sell, then why don't I take all 11,000 of these products and list them all on Amazon? I was like, I'm going to make so much money. This is going to work fantastic. And so I had, you know, six outsourcers from the Philippines, uh, spend basically six weeks adding all these 11,000 products to Amazon. And I thought it was the best idea ever. <laughs> the problem was, is that uh, not all the products were consistently in stock with like the, because I had a few direct relationships with some of the brands, but then I had a uh, relationship with a couple of distributors who gave me access to like 80, 90 brands that were in that same kind of high-end health supplement market. And so then I kept getting products that I would get a, a sale on Amazon. I'd send it over to the distributor and they're like, well, you know, I hate to say it, but that product's not in stock. It's not going to be around for another six weeks. I'm like, crap. And so I kept having to, uh, you know, refund orders and cancel orders and try to swap stuff out on Amazon. And it was, the whole thing started crumbling very fast. Like I was like, you know, teetering on the brink of, you know, getting that Amazon account suspended because of all those issues. And I was like, well, this is a disaster. And so then, um, ended up basically stripping all those products away out of Amazon and uh, boiled it down to just like the 10 to 20 that sold very well and were in stock 100% of the time. And um, this was before I started getting into private labeling, but that's how I really narrowed it down and started achieving some consistent success on Amazon. Oh, that's a great, that's a great story. Yeah. So guys don't start with 11,000 products that you don't <laughs> even know if they're in stock or not in stock. Learn from Matt. So, so, you know, you eventually got the, your own formula down, you know, ventured into private label. And then actually it wasn't that long after that you started the course, the ASM course, right? Wasn't that about seven years ago? Yeah, that was back in about 2012. Um, so yeah, I'd been running my e-commerce business for a few years and then selling on Amazon for a little while. And, um, you know, like I said, I kind of boiled it down to those drop shipping products and kind of chance encounter. Like I had a product that was taking off in my online store. I had no idea what the product was, but it was taking off in my online store, just crushing everything else. And, um, ended up meeting a guy at the pool at the apartment I lived in that was like, Hey, uh, I was telling, we were talking business and I was telling him what was going on. He's like, I'm actually a manufacturer for this product. He's like, I can private label it for you. And instead of buying it for like $10 from this other brand, like I can get it for you for like two or $3. And I'm like, Holy crap. Like that sounds awesome. Like I own the brand I control the brand. My margins are way higher. And so that's kind of how I got into private labeling. Um, and so then started selling that on my own store and selling it on Amazon. And so it was doing pretty well, uh, you know, doing that uh, and started seeing a ton of success on Amazon. And back then that Amazon was also the wild west. It's like, you could do pretty much whatever you want and you didn't have to worry about getting in trouble. And so it allowed me to test a ton of different things, you know, things that, um, ended up, you know, kind of creating a lot of the training we did with ASM and also ended up kind of being a lot of the stuff that you had to get away from. And, uh, so I, you know, would have a product that I would promote and get it up to number one by trying a whole bunch of different stuff out for whatever target keyword I was going after. And then Amazon would, you know, randomly remove it or something, or for some reason, kick that product out because it was doing stuff that they probably didn't want you to do. And so I'm like, okay, well, I don't think you can do that, that, this, this, and this, but I think you could still do this. So I'd have another product 
I get back up to number one for that keyword. And it went through this cycle, probably like 10 times or something. And so it allowed me to figure out a ton of how the Amazon algorithm works still to, to today, but especially at the time. And, um, so with all that, I was like, well, you know, running my e-commerce business is cool. You know, it's interesting. It's fun. It's allowed me to learn a ton about marketing, but I wanted to go out there and uh, I kind of think I kind of always wanted to do this, um, you know, reach more people, help other people build businesses. Uh, and so I started thinking about the idea about creating kind of a course on how I was doing what I was doing on Amazon. Cause I was still only selling you know, 10 to 20 products. I'm like, you know, there's million plus products on Amazon, uh, at the time. And I'm like, the same strategy is going to work for any of these products. And so I'm like, I think I could probably teach this to other people and help them kind of do what I'm doing here. And so then started kind of thinking about that. And it was in, I was a part of a, a mastermind group for people with businesses doing over like a million dollars a year called the, the Mavericks run by kind of an old school internet marketing guy, Yannick Silver. And, um, I was going to do a free webinar for the group, just kind of teaching them what I was doing on Amazon. And then, uh, I, I decided to get some feedback from my little roundtable group within the bigger mastermind group. And that's when I met, um, Jason, really the other co-founder of amazing. And he was like, you know what? He's like, I've got an email list of a couple hundred thousand people that would be interested in hearing about this stuff. Cause they've all been doing affiliate marketing. Affiliate marketing is kind of dying. They'd probably love to learn about Amazon and e-commerce and that kind of thing. Uh, he's like, would you be, would you be interested in creating a course? And I'm like, sure. Yeah, it sounds great. I and mean, it's kind of what I've been interested in, in trying out. And so, uh, yeah, we got together <clears throat> and then, you know, four months later or so we rolled out the first version of what later became amazing selling machine, but at the time was called Amazon money machine, uh, and included three different models. Cause you know, included drop shipping, which I had done private labeling, which I had done and Kindle funny enough, which was just super popular at the time. And I had found a little bit of easy success there. Nothing as big as the e-commerce stuff, but it was still kind of an easy way to make money at the time. And so included all three of those models. And then we, we sold it, did very well, and then kept iterating the product. And we started having some massive success uh, from some of our students and uh, realized that the biggest success, because I had kind of taught Jason the business too, the biggest success he had had, I had had, and our students had had was all in owning and creating your own brand or kind of private labeling. And so after that year, we ended up sort of revamping the whole thing and creating Amazing Selling Machine, which was 100% focused on creating and building and scaling your own brand on Amazon. And that's when um, things kind of really took off for us. Wow. Yeah. And I think, you know, honestly, you know, last year, I, I didn't know about you guys. Actually, I wish I did. When I first started getting into the game, like three or four years ago, I was doing lots of different courses and, and things. But for some reason, I don't think you guys targeted me in ads or anything because I never <laughs> I never saw it. So we but, you. yeah, I missed me. But like what, what I started hearing as I would get out there and go to conferences is like, Oh yeah. I learned Amazon from uh, ASM one, ASM two. I, and I was like, what, what is this ASM that everybody is, uh, is talking about? So like in my mind, or I'm pretty sure that you guys are, have trained more Amazon students than any other company. Like, have you any idea approximately how many people have gone through your courses? Yeah. I mean, our, our big main program, amazing selling machine, you know, we've had over 30,000 go through that. Wow. Um, that's crazy. And back, back in the day, you know, uh, when first couple years, maybe first three years or so, when we first started offering, it was easy to tell on Amazon who was a member versus who wasn't. Cause we were the ones showing them how to do the longer titles with more keywords, the bullet points, uh, with more details in there, the better formatted description. Nobody was doing that stuff at the time. And so we could literally look at search results and see, you know, eight out of 10 for different keywords and stuff for our members. But now everyone does that stuff and teaches that stuff. And there's a million people talking about this stuff. So it's hard to tell now 
But um, yeah, early on, it was pretty easy to see kind of the impact we were having on there, which was pretty crazy considering the size of Amazon. Yeah. So, so now 30,000, you know, students, you've seen it all. What have you seen, you know, when you look at the numbers or look at the trends of number one, the ones who failed, you like, is there a common denominator? And then the, the flip side, the ones who have been successful, what has been one of the common denominators, would you say? Yeah, <clears throat> I would say ones who have failed. I mean, like, I guess like a general thing and then kind of more specific. I mean, general success versus failure, it's people who who quit versus ones who keep going. Uh, you know, we talk about this all the time. Like if we talk and I can guarantee you the answer is going to be yes. If I ask any big success that came from our group or from anywhere else, uh, have you had any major problems in your business? And pretty much all of them are going to laugh and say yes. You know, they've had supplier issues, trademark issues, patent issues issues with Amazon and all that stuff. It's just kind of a nature of the beast whenever you're scaling any business on Amazon or not. And um, a lot of the people I think that have, have been successful kind of saw those challenges and they're like, okay, you know what? I'm going to make this happen no matter what. I'm going to keep pushing through it. People who failed, they kind of ran into one of those things. They get scared and they throw in the towel or they really lose motivation. And whereas before they were just driving forward and moving forward, they hit that um, challenge and they just kind of really lose steam. They're still kind of trying some stuff, but not at any um, level like they were before. So that's, that's one thing. Uh, another thing too, is that I think the people that have uh, failed, what I've seen a lot of the times is they're just kind of, I don't, I don't really know why it happens. Maybe they're not getting feedback from other people. But a lot of times they'll like, we, we used to have track a lot of the stuff in our system. And I would literally see somebody in the comments inside of our private community that was like, ah, this thing doesn't work. I've tried everything. You know, this business model is BS or ASM is BS or whatever. And I would go, I at the time was able to do this a little bit better than we can now, but I could go look inside of their account. I could pull up their seller account. I could pull up uh, software tools that we had in our own platform, which made this easier. I could literally see the stuff that they had done or hadn't done. And almost inevitably, you know, they hadn't done a fraction of what they should have done. They tried maybe two things and they said, ah, this doesn't work. You know, I'm out. Uh, and so that's, that was another big thing is, you know, people just not really being relentless enough with trying stuff out. Um, and, you know, trying to make it work versus just, you know, hoping you do a couple things and expecting magic to happen. Uh, another thing too, is that we've seen a ton <clears throat> is that people who are struggling to produce sales almost probably nine times out of 10, they have pretty terrible product listings. You know, their images aren't great. Uh, their bullet points and, and description have, you know, grammatical errors or they're just kind of insufficient. Um, we see that stuff all the time. Uh, and that, that I think hurts people a ton because then they sit there and they do like a half-assed job on that piece and they start trying to run ads and stuff. Well, these ads aren't working or my sales aren't picking up. And a lot of times it's because of that, I think. And then people that have succeeded on the other hand, you know, they, they tick all the boxes. They do all that stuff, right? They have a good listing. They have, you know, all the pieces of your listing in place. They're trying lots of stuff. And one of the things that I started seeing, you know, we, we never really told people this as much as we should early on. We do now. But some of the people I started seeing that were coming out of our membership, that were just crushing it had really gone above and beyond with their products, which if you talk to people uh, in other spaces, maybe they're like, yeah, I'm like, no crap. Like you sell a really good high quality product. But at first, we were just capitalizing on teaching people to capitalize on kind of opportunities on Amazon. You know, if there was a product, uh, say, for example, you know, kind of the, uh, the example of a yoga mat, if at the time, if everyone selling yoga mats had horribly under-optimized listings, they weren't using keywords and titles and all that sort of stuff, 
you could go in there with the same freaking yoga mat, uh, maybe even something not as good, uh, and still beat all of those people. And so a lot of people were just kind of throwing up products that were pretty mediocre. And then eventually it started getting more competitive and that really wasn't good enough. But some of the people we started seeing that were crushing it, for example, one guy who, you know, probably not going to say his name, but one, one of our members, he decided for whatever reason, he was going to sell like a vegetable spiralizer. Uh, but then he ordered all the ones on Amazon and he was like, these are all junk. He's like, I don't want to sell any of these things. And so he ends up and he was kind of like, almost like telling us this, like he was like guilty of something bad because this is not what we advised at the time. He spent six months creating a new, completely new, uh, unique, better one. And then, you know, uh, not much longer, a couple of years later, he's doing a million dollars a month selling that product. And I'm like, you know what? That wasn't our advice, but I was like, that probably should be our advice. Uh, maybe not always going out there and completely custom manufacturing something, but maybe making sure you have the best product in your market. And I've seen that now many, many, many times. And so much so that we started really pushing people more to make sure they have the best product possible without probably, you know, going and spending, you know, fifty, sixty thousand dollars like custom manufacturing something, but making sure you get the best supplier, the best quality, the best details um, that you can get your hands on and don't just settle for kind of good enough. Yeah. I like that story. Do you have another cool story? Like one of my favorite ASM stories is I have a good friend, Paul Miller, who I know, you know, and uh, Mm -hmm, he's actually going to come on the podcast in a few episodes. So I don't, I don't want to spoil his story, but it's really, really, you know, almost like a a Hollywood movie, (laughs) the way, the way that he came to, to become a seven figure seller. But you know, we could probably go on for 10, 15 minutes about this, but in like one or two minutes or less, do you have another cool story other than Paul and other than the vegetable spiralizer that really sticks out in your mind? Yeah. I got another guy who, um, it's probably not a good idea to like tell a specific product, but it doesn't really matter. It could apply to any product. Um, he's a guy who actually met recently. I didn't know, but he's been a member of ours for since like the very beginning. And I met him at another event. It's kind of high level event. It's funny because these high level events used to be for people that are, you know, done pretty well. And so I was used to seeing all the same kind of people there. Now it's our members that are sitting, you know, right next to us that have built, you know, 10, $20 million businesses, which is pretty awesome. And so this guy comes up to me at the gym. He's like, Hey man, he's like, yeah, I just want to thank you. Blah, blah, blah. He's like, you helped me so much. And uh, he was telling me. And so he had basically, you know, gone through our training and he was doing all kinds of crazy stuff. He was like a professional salsa dancer and stuff like that. It was just like a guy living in a hospital in New York trying to make it work. And so he um, joined our training and, you know, he's, he's definitely got a ton of drive. And so he ended up building a beauty brand on Amazon that got up to about $30 million a year in sales. And it very much built on, you know, Amazon tactics and stuff. And when a lot of that stuff started changing, he stopped, he started losing like motivation. He was like, well, all this stuff to get reviews and everything like that isn't really working anymore. And so he got kind of discouraged and he ended up kind of uh, selling that business at the bottom, (laughs) but for a $30 million business, he still made a ton of money. Uh, I don't know for sure. I'm guessing he probably still walked away with, you know, maybe $10 million or something like that. And so, uh, but he wanted out of that business. He was like, I'm just freaking done with this. He's like, uh, and from what he said, that business ended up getting back up to like, you know, 20, $30 million in revenue after he had sold it. But he decided at the time, he's like, you know, what's really working and what's winning now on Amazon. He's like having the best freaking product. And so he ended up going and taking a kitchen product, another kitchen product, just coincidentally, um, but took a kitchen product out there that was fairly complicated product. And, uh, you know, he had made a ton of money selling his business. And so he ended up spending about $4 million, uh, of the kind of newfound money that he had and developed a brand new product to compete 
compete with some very big name brands on Amazon, included building out like a super um, high quality mobile app that was kind of part of the process. And so he created this product and now he's the number two for that very well-selling product that's, uh, you know, the high competitors are sold in Target and Walmart and everywhere else. And he's going out there and his goal is to build a hundred million dollar brand. Um, so that to me is super awesome to hear, you know, he's a guy that just keeps kind of swinging for the fences, which I think there's a lesson in that kind of for all of us. And it's kind of cool that he came from our membership. Cause a lot of times, you know, you achieve a level of success and, um, the natural response is to kind of play defense rather than keep kind of playing offense, but he just keeps swinging for it. And like, that's how I think people end up building hundred million dollar businesses. Um, and it's kind of cool that we were able to have a, have a bit of a part in his success. Love it. Love it. So, you know, that that's a great success story about Amazon. But, you know, now now that we're in 2019, going forward, 2020, 2021, how do you view the possibilities of expanding product sales beyond just Amazon? Like, do, do you see a need, a, a growing need to kind of diversify your sources of income instead of just Amazon? You know, um, I hate to say, but maybe it depends on your goals. But, you know, a lot of times we, we were concerned about this ourselves. It's like we've built up this company amazing that's almost entirely dependent on teaching people stuff related to Amazon. And um, so there's that component, but also the businesses that we've had and our members have that are almost entirely dependent on Amazon. But still, we see time and time again, you know, these businesses that our members and other people have built that are, you know, producing 90% of their sales on Amazon that are being sold for multiple millions of dollars. Uh, and that are, you know, uh, almost entirely, you know, only producing sales on Amazon. So there's still a high value there. I think in general, it's a fairly risky thing, even though the market is saying that it's still perfectly okay right now. Um, but you know, the more stuff Amazon changes and some of those people start getting some horror stories, maybe they buy a brand for a couple million dollars and all of a sudden it tanks and that kind of travels through the world because maybe they were doing something they shouldn't have done. I think in general, yeah, diversification is great. The problem that we've seen is a lot of people try to diversify, I think, too early. Um, until you really have uh, you know, an established business on Amazon, like your highest leverage activity is probably going to be to produce more sales on Amazon. Um, however, uh, you're probably going to have a more valuable, a more stable business if you have at least another couple sales channels. Like for example, myself, uh, ended up kind of partnering with a guy on this sort of high-end, organic, healthy uh, coffee business. And uh, it was already running on Shopify. And I've got a bit of a background in kind of direct marketing stuff. And so we're growing it through that channel. But we absolutely plan probably in six months or so to also be selling on Amazon. Um, it just kind of increases um, diversification both ways around, increases valuation a little bit because it's a little bit more stable for somebody looking to buy the thing. Um, so I would say, yeah, I mean, I think the, the obvious answer is sure diversify sales outside of Amazon, but also make sure that you're really established and consistent and probably doing at least a few million dollars a year on Amazon first. Otherwise you're just going to be going to be, you know, sort of trying to split your focus too many different yeah. areas and you're probably not going to do well in either one. All right, cool. So last question of the day, uh, you know, we've talked about, you know, amazing kind of being the OGs in the core space, but now if anybody has Facebook and gets hit with ads or gets emails, they could see that everybody and their brother, mother, sister, and best friend have a course out there. What are your thoughts on like this, like just rush of courses and, and how do people, I'm sure you, you know, you'll definitely be one to say that there's a lot of garbage out there. So like, how do people, how can people know what's you know, what's beneficial for them and what's not with such an influx of everybody wanting to teach you how to sell on Amazon. 
Yeah, it's hard to tell, you know, especially with marketing and all that kind of stuff, because, you know, any element I could pull out there, they could probably go out there and either fake the examples or pull out some micro examples from their community and, and, you know, be able to point to the levels of success and stuff. And I've talked with some of these people. Some of them are perfectly good people. I've talked with some of the other ones, too. um, And they don't really, you know, put a lot of a ton of focus in there. They want to be experts in other areas. And, you know, as opposed to us, like this is kind of all we do. And, um, you know, the, the differentiator is why we still charge more than almost all of those people is that, um, you know, there's, there's selling a course, which is valuable, having good information that kind of goes beyond for YouTube videos and stuff. But then there's kind of selling a result, I guess. And so for us, I don't know how these other people handle supporting these communities without having like a team like we have. And my, my purpose in saying all this stuff isn't just to like sell our value or anything. It's just kind of how we think about it is that when somebody joins like amazing selling machine, for example, you know, we have a full team of like 20 mentors and all these people have pretty much all sold millions of dollars on Amazon. We've got our lead guy who kind of runs that group. The training is constantly updated. It's never out of date. And a big thing too, that I think, you know, just kind of thinking about this right now is that, we see a lot of these people that are teaching stuff. Like we're perfectly fine living in a little bit of a gray area here on Amazon. Like if you did everything hundred percent Amazon compliant, you pretty much wouldn't be able to do anything. Um, but we, we kind of are, are very uh, cognizant of where that line is. Whereas some of these people, um, they haven't been through kind of what we've been through and seen people get accounts suspended and all that sort of stuff. Uh, and you know, they may be teaching stuff that can absolutely get you in trouble. Uh, we see people offering consulting stuff to people that it's just completely, uh, wrong and you shouldn't be doing. And so we're very much in here not to teach some, you know, 23 year old who's got nothing to lose, how to build a business. We're here to teach somebody with a family that's putting real money on the line and is using this business to build kind of a a legacy for their family. Uh, and so we have to be very careful where that line is of stuff that'll get you in trouble versus not get you in trouble. And so would look at all that stuff. And also like, I don't know what these other people offer in terms of guarantees and stuff, but that's why we always offer a 30 day guarantee, which there is a level of trust. You have to trust that the company is actually going to give you your money back. But if you trust that, then you can always jump inside, poke inside, see what everyone has to say, see the quality of the training by all means, ask questions, ask for help and see if you actually get help. Some of the people that some of the, some of the ones that I don't even know, but I've just heard of, um, that have kind of gotten in trouble with the law actually for, for, you know, over promising and, and that kind of thing. Um, some of the people just like would they promise the moon, they jump in there and then the, somebody, somebody would, the member would have real legitimate questions and need help. And those people were just kind of nowhere to be found, which is terrible. Um, that's, that's no way to offer that kind of stuff. You know, that's real people on the other end trying to build a business that really changes their life. And so I would look at all that stuff. I mean, look at their guarantees, look at their success stories. Um, look at their track record. How long have they been around? Are they teaching stuff that you don't really feel comfortable with that you think is going to get you in trouble? Um, are they easy to get a hold of? And so I would look at all that stuff. By all means, we aren't the only people out there. There's lots of potentially good options. Um, but yeah, that's all the stuff that I would look at, I guess. Cool. All right. That's been very helpful. Now, now like in 30 seconds or less, last thing, tell us a little bit about SellerCon and why people should go to SellerCon. Yeah, for sure. Um, so yeah, we've got SellerCon coming up June 21st through 23rd in Las Vegas. And so this is our big event that'll have, uh, you know, thousands of, Amazon sellers there. A lot of them will be our members, but it's open to anybody um, who wants to come. 
And so we've uh, kind of curated a list of almost exclusively people who are involved in e-commerce, especially selling on Amazon to come teach everything they basically know uh, about what's latest and greatest when it comes to, to selling on Amazon. We've got a few bigger keynote speakers uh, as well, such as Dave Asprey, who owns Bulletproof. You know, they've raised like $68 million uh, to date. We've got Sarah Blakely, you know, billionaire founder of uh, Spanx. And we've got a ton of other people coming. And um, yeah, it's, it's, if you want to learn anything about selling on Amazon, how to scale, how to grow, I mean, I don't think that anybody has a better lineup than, uh, than this event. And, uh, you know, we've got basically content for every level, whether you're just getting started or you're selling over a million dollars a year on Amazon. And, uh, you know, it's not like a big pitch fest or any of that kind of stuff. It's almost entirely uh, pure content. And, uh, yeah, it's a great time. We, we put a lot of work into these events. We've been doing them for years and, uh, yeah, hopefully we get to see more people out there. You forgot the number one reason to go. It's Bradley <laughs> Sutton is speaking at SellerCon. I mean, you mentioned Robert or the Robert Kiyosaki, but no Bradley. Come on, guys. All right. Now, uh, but yeah, guys, if you guys want to come and throw tomatoes at me, I'll be speaking there and there's going to be a lot more amazing speakers. And I went to last year's SellerCon before I even worked at, at Helium 10 in Orlando. And it was amazing. So I suggest it guys, if you want more information on that, check out sellercon.com or more information on the amazing selling machine. You can go to amazing selling machine.com. Matt, I thank you very much. I know your time is very valuable. And I appreciate you coming on and helping us out with your cool superhero origin story and, and all the things that you've seen along the way. And I'll be seeing you at sellercon. 